0: Hi, welcome to the premiere episode of Molly Nook Podcasts. I'm your host, Matt Wilkinson. In this episode, my friend Megan McGrath, now a graduate student at UNC Greensboro, describes her research on students' perspectives of how musical performance, dance, and improvisation can help promote valued communication outcomes in individuals with and without developmental disabilities. So I read your <laughs> thesis. You did? <laughs> yeah. What's so funny, and I could probably cut this in, is there's some video from you and me at Acres, and you make a joke about, oh, you could just read my thesis. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. And now here I am.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that's mostly what I want to talk about today. Before you even started writing it, like, what was the idea that kind of launched you in this direction?
1: Yeah. So I think... um I guess the the question um, or the interest looking into my thesis was the idea of how specifically um, performance arts and improvisation can aid in social communication, uh, skill development and mastery for special populations. Um, As far as um, the methods sort of went, It was about a 15 week class. It was a college class that um, students registered for. Um, So Penn State has a program called Lifelink, which is an extension of a high school degree for individuals with special needs, um, where they will come to the college campus, experience college life, be able to live in a dorm and learn various life skills while taking some introductory level classes. Um, So, this was offered as one of those introductory level classes. Um, Additionally, students from Penn State uh, were able to register for the class. So, in the pilot year that I was a part of, this included um, students from the Communication Sciences and Disorders major. um, I believe one or two students from the Special Education major and then one or two students from the College of Theater. Um, And the structure was really unique um, in that we were all taking the class together. Um, So it wasn't the idea that the typically developing students, the students from Penn State were graded differently than the students from the Lifelink program. Um, We were all considered on like a level playing field um, or equal status within the class structure. Um, And so the class was about 15 weeks we met three times a week for maybe 45 minutes. um, And we had a few different units within the structure of the class. So there was a vocal unit, there were two dance units, um, a hip hop, so a more modern dance, and then a more lyrical dance um, unit, and then improvisation as well. So we started with the improvisation and that kind of helped to break the barriers and allow us to express ourselves and be creative and kind of learn the structure of the class. Um, And then those additional units as far as dance and voice were added later on. Um, And then at the end, um, we practiced as far as compiling all those skills and all those units into a final performance.
0: That's so cool. I know you didn't like you didn't Structure the class in terms of like you weren't the one that was deciding which goes where but like you mentioned that improv Played like a really important part in um, kind of freeing people up a little bit Mm -hmm. Like get into that a little bit more like what
1: yeah Yeah, so I think the really unique aspect of improv in and of itself is that it provides a structure but then once you're within the structure of the activities, it's loose So within one activity, you play it the same way every single time, but the ideas and the creation and the way you build upon other people's ideas differs. Um, So while the game might be exactly the same, the outcomes are very different. Um, So what it does is for a lot of people um, who would be a part of special populations, they have a preference for routine, especially like people with autism, Um, typically follow a daily structure that doesn't change. So I know a couple people who every Tuesday is pasta night and every Wednesday is chicken and every Friday is pizza because that's a structure that is predictable um, and that provides a sense of safety or security in that predictability. Um, Because I think like a lot of us, uh, change can be very uh, confusing or difficult Um, And even more so for people who are part of special populations. So the unique part about improv specifically is that it can be played the same way time and time again, but the outcomes and the, the information and the way you respond to the information changes. Um, so it gives that foot in the door as far as that uh, predictability, um, but it also allows for the novelty of real life to come into play in that life is not always predictable.
0: I had never heard improv and like how it's used described quite like that before.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's like the novel part of of what this class was doing and and what my thesis was trying to bring in like this isn't something that's necessarily been bridged fully before people Mm -hmm. have to, there's music therapy, which is totally growing and, and really cool um, premise. But as far as improv goes, it's not something that's necessarily been looked at in depth as to why um, it can work. And I think in my, in my thesis, we show that it can work. um, And hopefully for future data can show that it can work too. But looking at why it really, I think, comes down to the idea that it's predictable, but it's not always the same. So it mm-hmm. allows for that um, understanding and, and those coping skills to come into play, which are so necessary.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, so there's a lot of like fun units that get brought in. You were talking about like hip hop and um, like the fight dancing and stuff. Oh, I the think...
1: capoeira, yeah. Yeah,
0: capoeira. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, um, I think they they definitely each serve their own Function like you can see with capoeira the like turn-taking that goes into that to make sure that you're not getting kicked in the face Mm -hmm. um, From like a broader perspective, what do those units serve beyond just like the fun of learning a new dance technique?
1: Yeah, absolutely Um, I think it's the idea of it almost feels like implicit learning so you don't realize you're learning Until you have the skill and you're like, oh my gosh, where'd that come from? Um so, for example, with the capoeira, but with almost all each of the units and each of the, the kinds of uh, subdivisions of the units have their own sort of skills that they address. Um, but there are quite a few things that overlap um, among all the different activities. So capoeira, for example, you need the eye contact with your partner. That way, you know when they're going to kick or you know when they're going a certain way in another way and you can follow. Um, a big part of conversation is that back and forth. Um, so it's feeding off of your partner. Um, so if you said, I want to have chicken for dinner, and then I said, I'm really cold, that wouldn't make a lot of sense. But if you said, I want to have chicken for dinner, and I said, oh, yeah, that sounds really good. Maybe I do too. Um, that makes sense and that's a functional conversation so if in that dance your partner were to kick your response would not be to kick because then you'd both kick each other it would be to duck um so it's kind of implicitly teaching that skill of taking the information your partner's presenting you and then understanding what to do with it so it's really physical verbal nonverbal. it, it in Interplays quite a few different skills and you see that with almost all the units Um, They might vary a little bit just in that verbal aspects nonverbal aspects Um, But for the most part, there's a pretty decent overlap.
0: I like that idea of implicit learning Mm -hmm. So then my question with that would be like with implicit learning like is it observable like when someone when two people kick over each other's head does that actually like translate into better social like interaction skills?
1: Yeah, so that's kind of, that's the question that everybody wants to know sort of thing. Um, it's, it's the idea like, yeah, this is great if it works in the classroom, but then what about outside? Um, because that's really the goal with everything we do. So whether I'm teaching a kid how to produce his S sound uh, in the therapy room and all we're doing is put your tongue up behind your teeth, whatever, The goal is that they take it outside of that room or that context and apply it broadly. Um, It's hard to know um, from just this baseline study, um, how to what extent, I guess, it's being applied, um, just because of the way the study was done and because this is kind of one of the more, uh, one of more initial research. So that should come in the future. Um, But what we do know is like, in their reflections, which was how the data was gathered. So in reflection papers after small group discussions, um, quite a few of the students, both um, the students with special needs and then the typically developing students, the Penn State students, um, noted ways that they applied these skills outside of class. So the idea of within the vocal unit, understanding um, your head voice or a voice that's Higher and a little bit softer versus your chest voice, which is um, it feels lower in your body and it's a bit more powerful um, And learning when to use those voices. So a lot of them said I know to use my chest voice if I'm um, ordering at a restaurant or um, Going to a job interview Um, and then also things about posture that they learned within the dance unit Um, so the idea of standing up tall which presents um, a look of confidence. Um, Personal space was something they talked about. Eye contact is something they talked about. So it's, we don't have the statistical measures as far as observation outside of the classroom, but we do have the data saying they are cognizant that these skills should be applied in various contexts and they're trying to apply them in various contexts. So even just knowing that they should be using these skills outside of, outside of the, the classroom context and then knowing when to use certain skills is a huge foot in the door. And hopefully we can continue to get data as far as the authenticity of if this is actually being applied. But the fact that they know to apply it and think about applying it is, is pretty impressive.
0: I love that idea. I love that this is, like, continuing to expand and grow and stuff.
1: Absolutely. When I think that theater is something that, that regardless of who you are, teaches you lifelong skills, um, sort of things. Like, I was a very different person before I started uh, theater, and there were things that I learned and that, that I know how to do, and I don't think I would be the same as far as public speaking, as far as eye contact, as far as... Um, Nonverbal communication and physical expression and things like that, had I not done theater. So I think that the foundational um, question was realistic to me in that I could see how theater had impacted me and will continue to impact me. Um, So I don't think it's far fetched to say that it can impact quite a few other people too.
0: No, definitely. Something that I like to touch on when I talk about For Good is the idea of like, in addition to teaching individual skills. The theater has this like, it's this very specific kind of um, goal oriented program where every single person has to work together Mm -hmm. to accomplish something. Yeah. The goal being like putting on a performance. And I think there's a lot of like, like the camaraderie that is built through doing a performance is like nothing else where not only are you depending on everyone else to do their part, but you're like empowering each other to like get up on a stage and like perform in front of a lot of people, you know?
1: Absolutely. And that's not something that just anyone would do. So it really does take you out of your comfort zone, but what it does is supply that foundational sense of comfort and confidence. Um, through the teamwork aspect and, and you don't all have to be the same. And the goal isn't that you're all the same. Some people are ensemble members, some people are dancers, some people are the leads. It doesn't matter because we all come with different skill sets, but we find a way to use those skills in a way that's mutually beneficial for everyone, which I think is super cool.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Giving people an opportunity and seeing what, what comes yeah. out of that.
1: yeah. We're hard to, to accept something that you see as fun as also educational, um, but I think in reality, that's what's most um, concrete or something that you carry with you way longer, is the idea you have those positive memories associated with it, or, or you can laugh and have fun. Like That was one of the themes throughout all the reflections was the idea of, of we were having fun, and so I was motivated to participate. Um, And that motivation and that intrinsic motivation. So the idea of doing it for yourself versus doing it, um, extrinsic motivation might be like to get a sticker or, um, to be able to get a prize out of the prize box or something like that. But the intrinsic motivation is, is the really the best way to learn and to maintain learning. Um, and so I think that like, the aspect of fun should not be taken as a negative. It's really one of the most positive things um, within the educational sphere and the learning, learning focus. Um, It's just making sure it's a focused fun.
0: Nothing motivates you more than the idea that you'll enjoy yourself when you're doing it. Yeah. So I was going to ask, this is just like an aside. This is uh, honestly, this is more just because I'm curious now. Like, do you think, um, there are skills being developed or like there are um, positive reinforcements happening for the like Penn state students as well. Like it's, it's clearly not just like a one-sided thing. No,
1: absolutely. And, and technically the question um, in my thesis was how it affects social communication period. So it's more Mm -hmm. of a global design in that it was um, typically developing peers and and students with special needs, and the data comes from both. So I think that, like, there's a reason you take this class, whether it's you want to work with special populations, whether it's because it satisfies a gym credit, whether it's because you needed a gen ed. But I think that you see that, like, a lot of the participants in the last three years that the class has run End up seeing a lot more growth in themselves than they originally thought they would, um, mm-hmm. because not everyone comes from a theater background. Not everyone has an interest in theater. Not everyone has an interest in working with special populations. Um, but I think that the the underlying learning is the idea of how to communicate better, period, um, and how to interact with the world in a way that's really effective and a way that's that's based in a foundational knowledge. And so we all have different levels of understanding related to that. And we all have different levels of understanding our own emotions or being able to read someone else's emotions or understanding what to do with that. Um, And so I think that a lot of times the Penn State students ended up feeling like, oh my gosh, like these are things that I never really thought about. And now that I'm thinking about them, I can improve upon them. Um, And I also do think, I mean, it's not something that was necessarily measured, but that advocacy component is like, is huge, I think, in just understanding there are different kinds of people in the world and, and being able to humanize these people or these disorders and, and understand that these are people who have similar interests or, you know, also want to go out on their 21st birthday or really want to make new friends. And like those are things that are just innately human. And so I think it's skills and learning how to connect regardless of uh intellectual status, regardless of level like commonalities in behaviors or things like that. Like it's just connecting human to human, um, which I think really helps you as far as patience, as far as Um, learning how to modify your behaviors to help someone else succeed. Um, Definitely teamwork. Like it, it's almost an all encompassing, but it's at the end of the day, I think the whole entire thing is just, how can I relate better to other people?
0: Yeah. Well, I think that comes from an element of like, so obviously I don't do research. um, You know, Mm -hmm. so like when I talk about, why I do Molly Nook films, it comes from um, my perspective of like, isn't this so cool that there we can, isn't it so great? I guess maybe I should say that we have now these opportunities to like give opportunities to people who have genuinely really cool and exciting ideas. Absolutely. You know,
1: when I think that's the value of of us all being uniquely human is the idea yeah. that we have a different set of interests or skills. And we all look at the world in a different way. And just because you look at the world in a way that might be more different or, or, or influenced by a disorder or a disability or something like that doesn't mean that your voice isn't important and doesn't mean that your voice isn't, um, revolutionary in, in what it can offer. Um, and I think that's, like, and I think that's where my profession is going to, is the idea of understanding person first, which means I'm mm-hmm. not just looking at your disorder. I don't even need to know your disorder necessarily. I look at you as a person. I look at your strengths and the things that you have challenges in, and I use your strengths to help improve on those challenges. And I don't even like calling them weaknesses because it's not it's not necessarily something that will continue to be weak. It's, it's, we're addressing it as a challenge. It's something that's difficult, but it's not unattainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're moving towards that and moving towards that in a way that's bolstered by a team and a community that loves you and supports you and makes you feel confident, I think is something that's, that's really meaningful and definitely has a place um, in practice and in research and in the future. So.
0: That's so powerful. I love that idea. Yeah. I think we're, I think that's, that's good. I'm going to stop the recording. Right. Um, thanks for, sorry, I'm trying to do an out, outro or something. All
1: right, let's hear it. It better be a good one.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's going to get so sterile. Like, thanks for sitting down and having this conversation with me. <laughs> no, seriously, thanks. This is really cool. I think, um, I think I learned a lot and I got to like see a lot of new, I got to interpret things in new ways, which is kind of the point of this. So
1: yeah, I think absolutely. Bridging the academic with the functional and, and being able to interpret it in a in a real context is absolutely the goal. But it's gotta have that foundation. So a little bit of both.